0: Well, the hater's gonna hate, 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 hate And the faker's gonna fake, 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 baby I'm just gonna make, 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 make
1: Making luck, making luck A podcast! So we were worried that these had stopped being produced These Oreo candy bars Because, uh, oh, if you want to hold your wrapper up, Adam Um Because, uh, I hadn't seen them in the gas station in a while But turns out they were just out So, uh, false alarm. These are still in production, and we are not being sponsored still by them, but we'd like to be, so.
0: This is pretty good. Yeah.
1: Mm. It's got that, like, cloying sweetness. Mm Mm-hmm. It's got the right, like, blend of textures, too, because the milk chocolate's so smooth, and so is the cream, and then it's got these crunchy little cookie things in the middle. Great crunch! I'm a sucker for crunchy cookie bits, man. Wow. Mm. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah.
0: Mm. <sighs> All right. Welcome to Making Luck, a, a Dominion, Dominion podcast. podcast. Um, I'm Adam. This is Jake. Hi, Jake. How you doing? I'm pretty good. How about you? I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah? Um, today is Sunday. Yep. Yeah. Normally, we record these on Monday nights, but... Uh, the holidays are always weird for everybody. Yeah. But I don't have to go to work tomorrow. Yeah, I don't either. I'm not going to work for like almost two weeks. Oh, really? I'm taking a decent chunk of time off. Nice. I got a ton of family and friends coming into town. And so, uh, you know, this episode, you might have noticed, it's uh, probably going to be published a little bit early. Um, Normally we publish on Tuesday nights, but Tuesday is uh, December 25th. Yeah. Uh, That's a significant holiday. And I'm going to have family over. I don't want to deal with publishing it. So, sure. So uh, you get an early podcast. If you
1: don't like that,
0: then just don't listen to
1: it. <laughs> yeah, you can listen to later. it later. Yeah, you can pretend that it can't. Yeah, so this is our Christmas present to you, is this episode of Making Luck, a Dominion podcast. Speaking of Christmas presents and the holidays,
0: yes. uh, there's a couple of things that, that I want to take care of. Okay. First of all, it's a time for seasonal vegetables. And uh, this seasonal vegetable, which is... <laughs> The butternut squash. Um, I'm going to make a delicious hash out of this uh, and some cranberries and some other stuff. So I just I wanted, to, yeah. I wanted to show you this. You could just wrap this thing up like a present. It would be <laughs> it would be really great. It would be great. It would look great under the tree. It would look great just about anywhere, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Second, um, Jake, these holidays are a time about giving. And I know you may not celebrate oh. one particular one, but this...
1: It says A equals D.
0: Nice. Yeah. Um, this
1: this is for you. I didn't know we were exchanging gifts. Uh, I
0: have, well, I haven't gotten yours yet. It, go ahead and open it. I want okay. you to open this on here. I'm going to move the webcam here so everyone can see. Okay. I want you to uh, open this.
1: Oh, my God it's Dominion Renaissance oh did you know that you were getting this no idea are you it's sure because I bought yeah. it when
0: you were right there also your wife <laughs> posted it on Facebook oh yeah knew it
1: was for me yes
0: so so hey yeah I wanted you to have a happy holiday whichever holiday you're choosing to celebrate at this moment much. also uh, since my IRL tournament is coming up on January 12th in Cincinnati Ohio 2019 whatever you're doing drop it and be there I was wondering if maybe I could borrow your Dominion yeah. Renaissance yeah, so, you got it. Hey, man. thanks. Yeah, uh, anytime. So, yeah, these are this is a time of giving and uh, yes. Um, uh, <laughs> okay, so uh, this is uh, we got. Uh, yeah, one, one final thing I wanted to to tell you guys is that the next episode after this. Oh, isn't that adorable? Yeah, there's a bow on Parker's head. <laughs> um, did he just spit up? No, he didn't. So uh, the next episode is going to be a mini minisode. <laughs> Um, we both have better things to do, but we were responsible content creators and we have a backlog of content so yep. that you, the listener or video listener, can have something every week from us. This is this true? Yeah. Aren't we great?
1: We are pretty great. Yeah. You, me, and Parker. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And, and Wandering Winter. And the mostly
0: Wandering are. Winter because it's uh, his mini that you're yeah, going to be hearing. Yeah, he's done most of those for us. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this one's going to be uh, about the whole deck paradigm. It's the next in his uh, series of deck paradigms. Yeah. And uh, I mean, they're
1: good. Yeah. And, and I've
0: uh, enjoyed all of the Wandering Winter mini so far, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I would highly recommend listening to it. Uh, so what that means is the kingdom that we're going to talk about at the end of this uh, will not be addressed in that episode, and we'll get to it in the next normal episode. Which just means we'll have that much more time to get it right. Um, in theory, that's true, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not going to spend any of this time playing Dominion. The am holidays yeah. Yeah, there's like all sorts, there's like three different sets of family and friends
1: that are coming in, and... Yeah, it's kind of weird, like, it does kind of feel like when, weeks when we get, don't do a podcast, like, we do get to take, like, a little vacation from Dominion. Yeah. I don't know, like, it does feel good to be able to, like, take a break from it every now and then. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong, I love Dominion. Um, yeah, it's a pretty sweet game. Yeah, but we played it a lot more yeah. since I started doing this podcast.
0: Yeah, and uh, in particular, the the Kingdom that we did last time, Yeah, um, we played that a lot,
1: we did and that one had rebuild in it so that was kind of rough it was yeah and it, like the thing is it wasn't like rebuild games aren't necessarily uh, unenjoyable just by Disagree. virtue N- not they're not necessarily <laughs> unenjoyable just by virtue of having a rebuild kings were re- kingdoms where rebuild is good uh, are very repetitive though yeah. so uh, this one what got a little boring as well uh, which i don't need to I mean, to spoil our kingdom analysis, maybe we should just launch right into that. Why don't we read the cards? That helps as a first step.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, I'll read them.
0: Okay. Sounds good. So this time we have Patrician with Emporium, Caravan, Wandering Minstrel, Bridge Troll, Contraband, Mystic, Rebuild, Scholar, Tactician, Forge, and we had Pageant and Citadel, And, of course, there were Platinum and Colony this game. It's an important aspect of this kingdom, Platinum Colony as well. Uh, Yeah. So, once again, for our audio-only listeners, Patrician with Emporium, Caravan, Wandering Minstrel, Bridge Troll, Contraband, Mystic, Rebuild, Scholar, Tactician, Forge, and we had Pageant and Citadel, and
1: also we had Platinum and Colony this game. All right, so if you remember uh, what we, what our analysis came away with last time was that uh, Wandering Winter and I both talked about this deck that basically used Bridge Trolls. He talked about Double Tactician. I uh, wasn't really crazy about the Double Tactician, and I ended up not really building that way too much. Uh, but, you know, you could use caravans for draws, and you play a bunch of wandering minstrels and bridge trolls, and uh, opening pageant silver either way, get a forge really quickly to thin down. Basically, the idea is to have a mix of a mega turn and getting a colony or two uh, in the time that it takes rebuild to do its thing. Or in a mirror, obviously, you're just trying to outpace the opponent. And then uh, Adam... He did not say that Rebuild was better than that. (laughs) He did not say that. He did say that Rebuild was competitive
0: with that. I said a bunch of stuff that like wasn't really clear. I think what I was trying to say was that
1: it was close. And I said and I kinda disagreed. I thought that the Bridge Troll thing was gonna crush it. I was wrong about that. Rebuild is competitive here. Yeah, um, with with this deck that I'm talking about. I'm gonna go out there and say that I just nailed it here. Like it's close. Yeah, yeah, no. It's pretty much everything you said. I, I agree with now in retrospect, having played the kingdom.
0: And I wanna, I wanna go back to one of my takes of various temp. Sure. Uh, while I was talking about rebuild, and it was funny because both Jake and I had points about rebuild, yeah. and you know I put them next to each other for the lulls. And I mean, we did sort of say different things about the card, but yeah. one of the things that I did say was that uh, when you're playing rebuild in a non-mirror. So the other guy's not going for a rebuild, and you're playing rebuild. Yeah. Um, I see a lot of people play this uh, pretty suboptimally. And and really your game plan needs to be to empty the provinces as quickly as possible. This is true. Just remain focused on that. So you get many, many rebuilds, and you
1: don't buy a lot of duchies. And you can actually watch the videos to see sort of how that played out. But in the end, this deck was very competitive, ...with the bridge troll deck that we're talking about... ...to the point that really it usually came down to first player, I think. Yeah, so Um, you could usually get your thing done in about 14
0: turns... ...and Rebuild usually gives you about 14 turns to do your thing. Yeah. And it it varied a lot, but it came down to, like, the next turn... ...one person was going
1: to win the game. Yes, that's usually all it was, is like... ...the next turn somebody was going to win the game... ...and if the bridge troll thing had gone first... And not gotten boned by draws. Like, either one of us could get yeah. screwed over by bad draws, too. So, uh, these two strategies are really comparable to each other. The rebuild thing, played in a non mirror, like Adam said, plays very differently than playing rebuild in any other context. And uh, you definitely play in a very focused way. That's uh, so. It, it, pretty it, much the only
0: support that <coughs> I ended up going for was Pageant. Uh, I found myself uh, turning down a lot of silvers just to get extra coffers, so that I could hit five more often.
1: Yeah. There were
0: a couple of times after reviewing the video that I think that I could have gotten a citadel <laughs> at an opportune time. Sure. It was like one or two times on the video out of like two hours worth of games. I know, Parker. It's the umbrellas and the raindrops are so happy. The raindrops have little faces on them. It's adorable. Yeah. But anyway, it's captivating. <laughs> yeah. But like, I had hit eight early enough that I thought. Uh, that I didn't even think about (coughs) Citadel. Looking back at it, uh, Citadel probably would have been a lot better than whatever I did, which was probably like rebuild number five or
1: some garbage. So the idea is that every time you play a rebuild, a province leaves the supply, shortening my clock by a turn. Uh, And so if you, the thing you would be doing instead of buying the Citadel would be just buying a province, which also takes a province out of the supply, uh, but... Gives you more points, but you don't really care about having more yeah, points. The, the anyway. number
0: of points is pretty inconsequential here. It's
1: Eighteen—that's
0: that's the number of points. And, and if I only had one estate in my deck to start with, it would have been six. Like the number yeah. of points is so unimportant because Bridge Troll doesn't score any points until it wants to end the game. That's just the nature of the deck. Sure, the once, of you, the
1: once you score points in the Bridge Troll deck, the deck just breaks. We should probably talk a little bit about that deck, because there were a few aspects to it. In general, I think we agreed that the Bridge Troll deck was harder to build and pilot. Well, there I mean, were... harder than rebuild isn't <laughs> saying much, but yes, I yeah. agree. Well, I think it's hard, it was hard of an average here, too, because there was a lot to weigh and measure. Like a lot of things that look like they could be good, and not. I don't
0: really think we're all that fantastic.
1: Yeah, so you... Your priority is to get a forge really quickly and then get a big forge hand really quickly, and Tactician's great for both of those. Yeah, Tactician Uh,
0: forge is great.
1: Yeah, opening 5-2 was really nice because you could open with the Tactician. And... You, uh, Your first five is the tactician, I think, in almost every case. I agree. And then your priorities are just to play your tactician on a forge hand and then thin down really quickly. And you, you need to be careful, though, because you don't, like, <laughs> necessarily trash all the coppers you can. A lot of the time, you will hold back a few coppers just to make sure you don't cripple your econ, because... that's yeah, it's no bueno, man. The, the bridge troll thing that doesn't have money in it has this awkward period where it's having trouble getting enough bridge trolls in play to, like, get more bridge trolls, uh, but, uh, <laughs> Is he not the cutest thing But um, he's happy? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, the other weird thing is that once you have enough bridge trolls in play, the, your forge becomes a workshop, which is weird. You end up playing forge to trash nothing and gain either patricians or caravans or wandering minstrels. Yeah, due to the wording of Forge, you don't have to trash anything,
0: and you can gain something that costs a total of zero. Yeah, So if good cards cost zero, this is actually good for you. Yeah. It's unusual for that to come up, but hey, Bridge bridge Troll makes
1: things happen. Right. Uh, so the thing, yeah, this was basically a three or four card, king, three to four card kingdom for the most part for that deck. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought
0: Scholar would have been okay as a source of draw. I thought even Caravan or maybe Tactician would have been good. It turns out the British Troll Direct just doesn't even need to draw cards.
1: Yeah, well, that's an interesting question because I think we never really came away settled on do you want Caravans? Yeah, the jury's still out. I think. If it does
0: make a difference, it's a very small difference. If
1: you Yeah, so you could go for caravans as your draw, but every caravan you're getting is not a wandering minstrel, which means it's one fewer terminal which is that you can play, which is bridge troll, by the way. That's your terminal. So it speeds you up by giving you better turns earlier and more often, but it also slows you down by virtue of those not being wandering minstrels. Uh, so it's kind of hard to say. Um, I'm not really sure whether or not you get caravans in that deck, but... I don't it, think it makes much of a difference after seeing it play out a few times, yeah. Uh, I don't either. Uh, the thing that you do take for free whenever you can are the Patricians, uh, which you'll have plenty of time to get those. You'll have spare buys, and they'll cost zero.
0: Yeah, like It's not like Patrician is a good card for the deck. No. Because it doesn't pretty doesn't much everything in your deck costs five or less, except for made or less than five. Except for maybe a
1: forge, in which case, woo,
0: you did it, yeah, but you like
1: draw that a card with doesn't it. doesn't really matter. Really, the thing is that the Emporium is a very good card for the deck, and also the Emporium points, they help quite a bit. Because yeah, they you could get, matter. You get to basically, by the time you get to this point where you're having your turn, there is a province left in the supply. There was like one game where this wasn't the case, but there is pretty much no point where there's more than one province left, so you have to Score enough points on your big bridge troll turn to exceed eighteen, with one province left in the supply. That could be duchies, but uh, you know the emporiums—they're better than estates. They're better than estates, and they all cost zero. They all cost zero anyway. Uh, There are a few occasions where the patricians got revealed so early that you take emporiums early, and then if you get to play a turn with emporiums in your deck, they are quite good for that deck.
0: You you tend not to make many monies in that deck because your economy comes from cost reduction and bridge troll yeah. uh, but if you have a couple of monies uh, being able to get a colony can help you yeah. uh, get a lot of points on that last turn uh, right that's
1: what it does it, it helps you get a colony
0: yeah and the, the fact that you don't have to draw this money in this deck that really doesn't want to bother drawing cards is pretty useful yeah so Emporium you know it's a good card for the deck just being a peddler uh, uh, effectively a peddler and it turns out that Mystic like it didn't really matter. I mean, it could basically be the same thing, but I mean, yeah. those VP tokens were important enough that you would just prefer Emporium, and I don't think anyone ever got a mystic.
1: Sure, yeah. I mean, the this deck had a lot of room for error, uh, and I mean, the rebuild deck requires some execution too, but I'd say that the other the the bridge troll deck required you to think a lot more and give you a lot and punished you more for screwing up. So, I would say that if you find this found this board in the wild, maybe since they're close you just go for rebuild because there's fewer ways to screw it up and Isn't it's it build really... a great card for the game that <laughs> <laughs> <Not> much stronger. <laughs> yeah you
0: know. so oh, and one more thing I want to talk about here was contraband. Uh, oh and remember the the tactics around contraband. yeah, uh, when I was playing rebuild, uh, I got bored really <laughs> fast and so whenever it didn't matter what card I named, I would always name contraband. <laughs> And you can see how that ended. Parker out. named.
1: Uh, uh, yeah. Same thing. Yeah, yeah, same thing, yeah. Yeah, so that was that kingdom. Uh, I misread it a little bit, but. Uh, and I just want to say that I nailed it. I fing yeah. nailed it. You did. You did. Yeah. Congratulatory pat on the shoulder. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. I feel really good about myself. Yeah. Excellente. So. All right. <laughs> so, uh, this episode, by the way, is going to be on two cards. We're going to talk about Temple, we're also going to talk about Raider. That's right, it's an Indiana Jones themed episode. Yeah. Um, Temples of the Raider Lost. Yep. And uh, so, first, we're going to talk about Temple and Raider, not in really a way that's related or anything. We kind of just kind of pick two cards. So, we'll talk about those. Uh, There's there's another thing Uh, that that guy. Uh. Oh, yeah, Adam uh, was going to talk a little bit about Kingdom Design. That he uses for his tournaments, he is lauded uh, fairly often as being a very good designer of kingdoms. Is the okay. kingdoms that he does take the time to craft usually tend to be really interesting and fun to play and really weird to talk about because there's always a bunch of they're always going in a bunch of different directions. Uh, so he's going to talk a little bit about what how he does that. Sure. So uh, here's here's the thing, people. I mean, they go to the
0: tournaments, and they play the design kingdoms, and the feedback I've got has been, like, overwhelmingly positive, to the point where I didn't really believe it. Like, it was... I I didn't really think I was that good. I still don't think I'm that good at kingdom design, but people have fun playing the kingdoms. They keep asking for more, so I keep designing more of them, And, and so I've gotten a lot of questions, especially recently, about what do you do for kingdom design? How do you design a good kingdom? And... I mean, I have a couple of things that I'll talk about, but, like, I don't really feel like I'm that great at it. And um, at the end of the day, uh, it's up to the people playing the kingdom sure. how much fun they're having with it. So yeah. um, I, I think the biggest point is uh, whatever I say here, if you don't think it's going to be good for the people playing your kingdom, uh, don't do it. Feel free to just disregard, whichever,
1: just cherry pick whichever piece of advice you want. Yeah, this is a guide to having more fun with Dominion, essentially, So, like, yeah. do, and that's really subjective. These are some good ideas if you are looking for interesting kingdoms to design, but, of course, season to taste. For sure. I, I think it's important to note that at my tournaments,
0: um, my primary goal is for people to have fun. Yeah. And that that goes ahead of the goal to, like, you know, have a really competitive and, like, really high-skill tournament or anything like that i mean that's one of your
1: goals too though right
0: right i mean that helps people have fun oh dear that was a <laughs> lot of spit up good job kiddo that helps people have fun and so it is a priority but um fun is more important to me in, in case that matters to you point being uh, a lot of the kingdoms that i design yeah are designed just with fun in mind not necessarily with like oh well this is really going to test uh your skill and strategy at Dominion with tactics or whatever. So uh, I guess what I'm going to do is list off a few sources of inspiration for uh, where I start when I design sure. kingdom. Yeah. So uh, the first thing I do uh, that might I be, might do... Yes. It might
1: be good to also, like, show some of your kingdoms oh, right on here, too. Um, Just on
0: the YouTube video. Obviously, I'll, we I'll don't want to read them all. Yeah, I'm going to link in the description a couple of blog posts uh, that are tournament summaries, and they go into, uh, they list all of the design kingdoms and uh, talk about what people did. So uh, I'll link those in the description, uh, and they're on the blog. You can Hmm. just look for tournament summaries on there if you want to do that. You can go to adamhorton.com and check it out, or you can go to there. So, uh, one idea is to take a powerful card or a powerful combo and design a kingdom to make it bad. It <laughs> feels really good
1: to see Cultist and know that this is absolutely terrible because of some hard counter. Yeah, I think you. one that comes to mind is you put Cultist in one of your kingdoms, but you also put the obelisk pile on ruins and there was like vineyard and something. Yeah. <laughs> like, some, so, like so. so I didn't guy. design this kingdom. It was one I played in Michigan. Sure. But
0: uh, yeah, that was that's one thing that can be done. Uh, I've done that with various other cards. And then uh, the flip side of that is take a really weak card and design a kingdom to make it good. I made a kingdom where transmute was OP.
1: Yeah, I remember there was one kingdom that like copper tended er, ended up being a really good card and super important because of yeah. all the draw being based on things like settlers and stables and stuff like that. Uh,
0: yeah, well, there was there was that one. There was another one that like I put fountain in it, and then it turned yeah. out as I was play testing. Um, I just kept on buying coppers after I had ten <laughs> and skipping chapel. And, like, that turned out to be really, really good. I also put, like, Traveling Fair Counting House in that kingdom, and then, like, Yay. put Council Room in. Be like, hey, <laughs> I'm going to cause your shuffle. And if you if you top-deck more coppers, I'm going to play more Council Rooms! Yeah. Was really cool. I really so, like that board.
1: Yeah, so what you're getting out of that is, like, just understand that when you, you can take those synergies and, like, try to make them good, and that ends up being a really unique experience. Right.
0: Uh, so... Uh, Yeah. Tell me about it, Parker. So uh, another idea is to have like some kind of a restriction and design a kingdom to either exacerbate or deal with that restriction. So uh, there's no village. What are you going to do about it? Well, it's really
1: crunchy because there's no village or there's no draw or no trashing or no plus buy or something like that. So one thing I think is really important to that element of kingdom design is that you're also rewarding them for dealing with that restriction. Like, yeah, you if need to make it good to do right, something interesting. There's no village. Well, then there better be a terminal you want to play a lot of because, like, otherwise Multiple I'm just terminals, gonna, right? Or I'm just going to deal with the fact that there's no village by playing, playing something money. that doesn't want a village, like money, or you know, dra- yeah. you could say that about draw too.
0: Whatever. So. So, like, I don't really like the idea of one of my tournament kingdoms being like, oh, well, this is just money. Like, that's right. not interesting. It feels like a waste of the people's time because if they've the de- all played money before. If
1: the decision to go for money is interesting, yeah. then that's that's a different story. If it's like, well, this is money even though it's a goon's board. I don't know what that would look like, but yeah. th- that's a little more interesting. Sure.
0: Uh, another idea is to, like, find... Uh, A Way around one of these restrictions Using like a really unconventional synergy So one example I had Was Secret Passage Plus Vagrant As the only source of draw And then this kingdom where you really wanted to draw a lot of cards But that was the only way to draw cards Was Vagrant and setting it up with Secret Passage And that was really cool And um, so uh, That that actually ended up being a lot of fun to play Because you get to set it up And then you get to see it go And it it feels really good to draw that extra card Um, another one is just take a really popular card cool. and design a bunch of synergies around that card to make a board that's just designed to be fun to play. Yeah. So I've done this, uh, I did that with the Secret Passage Vagrant thing, I think I threw like Vassal in that board or something, but also, like, I've done this around Menagerie, because is yeah. a really popular card, everyone loves Menagerie. I
1: think you, I've seen you do it with Inheritance too. Yeah, I've like done things it. things that are just, like, make the players feel good when they play those
0: cards. Yeah, I mean... Parker is recounting his uh, his time playing that kingdom. You remember heat. when you inherited Wandering Minstrel, buddy? Yeah. That
1: was pretty great. Yeah, those were good times.
0: Uh, another thing I like to do is to take multiple strong strategies and put them in the same kingdom. So, like, Highway Seaway versus Hermit Market Square. Who's going to okay. come out on top? Uh, uh, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, I think it's... Have you done that one? Uh, not that particular one, but I've... <laughs> I've done similar types okay. of things Like oh there's a lot of really broken Stuff here, what do you do Or do you try and merge them into something else So like that's another fun thing I like to do Or um, This is something I like to do Although maybe not something that people like to play uh, Actually this is something that uh, Scott likes to do, the, the TO for the Michigan tournament Is um, use like some kind of attack or a landmark To, to <laughs> invalidate Every single strategy that could possibly Be good so, Bandit Fort is usually really good for this, but you can do it without Bandit Fort.
1: Yeah, you can do that with a wall, you can do that with, uh...
0: Or just attacks. Yeah. So, like, there's there's good stuff you can do, but there's always an attack that can screw you over. Minion is pretty good for, for things that rely
1: on top decking for reliability. I think Minion is good at ruining a lot of games of Dominion, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, by the way, uh, my that's my least favorite card in the game right now, uh, is <laughs> Minion. Uh, but yeah, anyway... <laughs> Yeah. So um, there are a couple things I like to try to avoid.
0: Um, I already talked about the big money thing. Um, I mean, this is just my way of organizing my own tournaments, and this is based on feedback. So take or leave all of this. I like to not have a source of like very visible game, decisive luck. People don't really like yeah. to lose another stupid torturer game, so some of the well, less popular cards that way I just try not to put in.
1: Or Page, or Peasants, uh, yeah, or so Tournament. I have,
0: I have a pretty long ban list of cards, and that's one of the reasons I would ban a card. Another reason is, if you're using physical cards, some cards are just difficult to execute, like Scrying Pool, Golem, Hunting Party, and Philosopher's Stone. It's just so easy to do that wrong, and if you're going to yeah. welcome new players to your tournament, uh, I would just not include them.
1: Now, like you can, whether or not you're talking about a tournament context, this is valid to consider, because there are some cards... That just are weird to try to explain, or that uh, are lend themselves to inconsistencies and and textual misunderstandings. So uh, maybe if you're playing with very new people, don't break out Golem. Um, Well, right. Uh, Or another thing is
0: um, when I have I I (laughs) randomly generate a lot of sets too. Most of the tournaments that (laughs) people, most of the boards that people actually play in my tournaments are randomly generated boards. But what I will do is, if there's one reserve card that needs a tavern mat and it's not really doing much, like I'll sub that out for something else. Yeah. So that way, that's one less mechanic that someone has to read and then think, oh, well, yeah. I'm not. I don't want to deal with that this game. Or like a night card, or like, uh, or travelers. like a debt card, or well, the travelers are banned for other reasons. Right, but yeah, sure. But it, I, any complicated card. That's gonna add a level of complexity that isn't really contributing to what I think is going on on that board. I'll just sub out for something else for simplicity's sake. And this is—I yeah. mean—that's something that I do to welcome newer players for the most part. Well, it's also—I don't think just, there's any cost.
1: Yeah, no, it's—I mean, it's—it's it's good for. I, I mean, I don't want to say good. It's fine for experienced players to be uh, t- to look at that too. It just makes the board cleaner.
0: Yeah. So at this point, we're really talking about kingdom tweaking instead of kingdom design. You can yeah. do things the way you want. I've been to very successful tournaments that just do the opposite of this. And everyone loves it. They, yeah. they love all the weird, quirky rules interactions and the gotchas. Halfway through the game, they realize <laughs> they didn't understand a rule, and they're totally screwed, and they love it. And good for them. It won't be in my tournament, but, like, I mean, they love it, and I'm not going to fault them.
1: Yeah, this is like when people tell me they love uh, three or four player games of Dominion, and I'm just like, "Well, I'm glad you're having fun." Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you please continue to have fun. Yeah, that's the point, man. Uh, so yeah,
0: that's really all I have to say about Kingdom Design. Uh, I I don't I think I'm that great at it, but but there you go. That's what I have to say, and uh, maybe that helps you. Maybe that
1: gives you some inspiration to design your own kingdoms. Yeah. And I will say that if you... I I think that, like, you definitely want to play a mix of... You definitely want to mix in random boards into your rotation. Like, if you're one of those people who really likes Designed Kingdoms, I would say make sure you're playing a healthy dose of Random Kingdoms as well, because that just helps you appreciate the game in a different way. Like, these Designed Kingdoms are, for me, are a nice little vacation where I know that the game is going to be really interesting because it was crafted and there was this, like, pre-programmed in puzzle, but, like, the only reason that that has the impact it does is because I'm used to, you know, Dominion in the Wild, where, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm seeing these things come together in a different way. It's like Syndrome from the Incredibles. If everyone's special, <laughs> then nobody is. Exactly. Oh,
0: wow. He just spit up. You know what? Parker, you spit up on, like, <clears throat> two of my pairs of jeans today. Come on, kid. Get it together.
1: Yeah, you need to get at least four. Um, so. Speaking of spitting up, let's talk about Temple. Yeah, just, I was, it's a great segue. <laughs> so Temple is a card from the Empire's expansion, uh, and it does quite a few different things. Like, it, there's a lot going on with this card, uh, and we should read the text of it. But I will say, before we even get into that, that the main thing that you should look at with this card is that it has the word trash in it. This mm. card helps you thin your decks. So, yeah. If um, it has trash in it, the card is trash. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, so, I'll go ahead and read the Texas Temple. Yeah. It says, plus one VP chip. Oh, it's a four-cost expan- uh, card, by the way. Four-cost action. Plus one VP chip. Trash from one to three differently named cards from your hand and then add a vp chip to the temple supply pile now now the reason that's important is that whenever you gain a temple you take all the vp that are on the temple supply pile so let's go over that one more time you get a vp chip when you play the temple you trash one to three differently named cards so you can't You cannot trash zero You have to trash at least one You can trash up to three And they all have to be different And then you uh, In addition to having gained a VP chip yourself You put a VP chip on the pile And the next time somebody gains a temple They get all the VP that's on that pile Yeah So there's, uh, there's three
0: main parts to this card Yeah It's a trasher It gains VP tokens And it's a gathering pile
1: Yes In other words It is a trasher It gains VP tokens And it's a gathering pile and that's the same words. <laughs> <laughs> oh, f- <laughs> f- f- it. Yeah. So I, it's. <laughs> so yeah, there's a there's a payload element to to getting the VP. There's a deck control element to thinning yourself, and then there's this little mini game between you and your opponent where these points are being passed back and forth uh, by means of being put on the pile.
0: So in other words, <laughs> <I'm just laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's talk
0: about uh, the trasher bits first. Um, I, I think as uh, I mean, as a trasher, I'm very concerned with playing this in the very beginning of the game. This costs yeah. four.
1: I can open with this card. Yeah, right. and a lot of the time you are going to open with this card because this trashes more than one card from your hand, and that's that puts it into a certain tier of trashers. Like there are cards that do that tr- trash a card, and then there are cards that can trash multiple cards, and those are kind of different conceptually. Uh, I mean, when it comes to thinning my deck, which I care deeply about at the start of the
0: game, um, I want to trash a lot of cards in many cases. Yeah. So, in the best case, you can trash a copper and an estate with this bad boy, and that's pretty beast. Nice. Uh, that's, uh, yeah. kind of like a steward... Because it trashes two cards, although you don't get the chance to trash two estates, and you could get screwed over if you draw it with, like, all coppers or something.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would also compare it to, like, a remake, which is another yeah. card that trashes two cards. And I, you know, this it doesn't have the option to screw over, but remake can gain stuff. Anyway, we're comparing it to some really powerful trashers here, and it's not quite as good as those. Yeah. It is quite good, though, as a trasher. I mean... Big picture wise, it kind of ends up middle of the road, like you yeah. said, um, because it is not really doing anything other than the trashing. Those points don't matter until the end of the game, and the trashing really only really usually matters at the beginning of the game. So you end up not getting anything else but trashing faster. So this is kind of sort of a trade off. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's uh,
0: I mean it's certainly a lot better than a lot of other things. And I can open with it. I think the biggest deal is this trashes cards, I can open with this. So, in a lot of games, you're going
1: to buy it because of that. Yeah, now I will say that uh, we should take a second to appreciate how bad I was with this card when Empires first came out. And I want to say that because I think it's instructive and also funny. Um, I used to try to, like, play around like trying to be the second person to start getting a temple. Hmm. Like I like I I treated it like bishop. Like I wanted to wait for my opponent to play the temple a few times so I could snipe oh, snipe those points away and then that's so boom. ill. Yeah, no. That's terrible. I lost a lot of games doing that because Why did you lose a game doing that, Jake? Fitting your deck is really good and this is oh, how we transition that. into uh the temple as a VP gainer. Sure. Like, this is where we start talking about this other function as, as it, its payload of gaining victory points. Yeah, so, like, this is, I think this is a lot less important in terms of uh, what the card does, question mark. First and foremost, Temple is a card that you use to thin your deck, right. and it's decently good at doing that. Yeah. It also gains victory points, and it's a lot less good at doing that. So, (laughs) actually, this is interesting. It's like an inverted bishop, because, like, bishop (laughs) is a card that trashes cards and gains VP, and it's a lot better at gaining Uh, VP than trashing cards, and Temple is the opposite. It gains VP and trashes cards, and it's a lot better at trashing than gaining VP. So it's like a posib? Yeah. Inverted bishop that's backward posib? Yeah. Uh, Another way I think about it is, like, a really bad monument. <laughs> right. um, so it's like a monument that isn't doing anything. Sure, it's a For monument that trashes cards as opposed to giving you money.
0: It's the it's got that deck control component to it. Yeah. So like, let's say I want to use this to gain a lot of VP tokens. Now, okay. VP tokens tend not to matter until the end of the game. Yes. Because that's what VP tokens do, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can you can get a lot of VP tokens with this card. You could. It's possible. Uh, given infinite time, which you definitely don't have, Right, you can get unbounded. I mean, it's not unbounded. It's bounded because the supply is finite. But, like, you can get a lot of VP tokens. Um, but, like, I don't think that's great to say i'm gonna get all my points from temple this game
1: no there are a lot of vp chip cards that can kind of present you a strategy in their own right like i'm thinking about we come back to bishop where you can say that my main goal for this game is to get a bunch of golds and play a bunch of bishops and get most of my points that way now temple theoretically presents you with this condition that you could be gaining so many points from temples that the opponent Uh, Just can't really outrace what you're doing, and your deck isn't getting any worse, etc. But that's really hard to do, and Temple doesn't give you that many points. Yeah, it's like it gives you one point every time you play it.
0: I mean, Monument gives you one point every time you play it, and it doesn't have this
1: problem that you're going to trash your deck, so you need to get a bunch more cards trashed to it. There's this idea that Temple is giving you two points every time you play it, but that implies that you're then getting a Temple. Uh, sure. I mean, there's some more requirements. Uh, I wanna, I wanna just
0: sure put a put a bow on this monument. comparison people don't build monument decks,
1: right? Uh, they try to, and those decks are bad.
0: Yeah, I think like you need Kings Court for that to be good, and I mean anything's good with Kings Court. Sure, ah. <laughs> that's right, Parker. <laughs> He's been really talkative, he- and I feel like his contributions to the commentary of this podcast yeah. have been. Colorful.
1: No, he's the best host here, t- certainly. <laughs> <Yeah>. um,
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll I'll take that. So <laughs> I I guess uh, I guess if I'm gonna com- if I'm gonna talk about like, well, I mean, yes, <coughs> Temple does give you points. I would think it's a lot closer to just like another stack of VP cards in the kingdom. Sure, it, it basically takes away that win condition hey! of I got fifty percent of the available points.
1: Yeah. Now, just to just to be clear on that, what Adam is talking about is, and you've you've heard us talk about this before, perhaps, but this uh, aspect of the game where you're not trying to make sure that you end it while you have a lead or that you control when the game ends, but you're just trying to get to this point where you have so many victory points that the opponent cannot give an infinite time outscore you because there aren't enough points left. Uh, what the, another source of VP chips uh, theoretically prevents that from being a win condition because they can just use that time to get VP chips and then... If you can't end the game they can just wait until they're ahead uh temple does technically prevent that but in practice it's really bad at preventing it like it's not really i don't think temple really changes the uh, deck that you were going to be building in a meaningful
0: way the problem is if you're gonna get a significant number of points with temple to combat something like this you need to uh, play more than one temple in a turn, because uh, otherwise you're just way, way too slow, right? Sure. Um, and also, you need... Uh, so you need villages to do that. And you probably need draw, so you can draw all that stuff together. And also, you need extra gains for temple food, and you need to draw all that with your temples. And, like,
1: given all of these conditions that you're saying, I have to ask... Is Temple the best payload there? Like, right, the best just, like, thing that you could be doing playing a bunch of Temples, really? You can play a bunch of Silvers, and you can <laughs> maybe even play Gold. Monuments sound
0: great. And you can yeah. and you can buy Provinces. Sure. And then the game is over when the Provinces are gone, so Temple doesn't have the time to
1: do all of this. So, yeah. like, this I mean, isn't the, fantastic. The gist of what we're getting at here is that, yes, Temple gives you victory points, and, it, and those victory points do affect your score at the end of the game but there's no such thing really as a temple deck and if there is we're talking about very specific circumstances like temple is not a card that you're building your deck around it's a card that's helping you enable the rest of your deck by thinning it uh yeah sure i would say that's mostly the case
0: so you had alluded to this uh this idea i mean temple is a gathering pile where you can kind of double your vp tokens yeah right like you play it and then you gain a temple and Right. Uh, so, I mean, every time Temple gets played, the two VP are put into the universe. Sure. and uh, One goes into your supply. One is yours, and the other one could be yours for the low, low price of putting gaining a in temple. Deck, yeah. But hey, hey, Temple trashes
1: cards. It can trash your other temples. There we go. That's nice. So, the other thing to keep in mind is that you're putting those temples in your deck, so you're creating... You you have a new demand for a trasher because you have these temples in your deck, but you're creating that demand by putting the temples in your deck.
0: So let's say we're not building a deck around, like, getting a billion points from temple, but, I mean, we're still playing temples, and VP is going to be put onto the temple pile, and eventually there's going to be VP there, and I want those. Yeah. So um, how do I gauge when to get a temple (coughs) just for the VP tokens?
1: That's that's kind of hard. So like usually I would say don't do it. Like usually I would say that the temple put the temple into your deck when it's actually a good card for your deck, and worry about the VP at the time that you would be scoring VP. So like you look at the temple as like a duchy kind of in that respect. Uh, Uh, Yeah, scoring points with it. It's a better card than a duchy. For your for deck, because sure. it, it can be trashed and you keep the points, and it can trash cards, etc. But... And it costs less. Yeah. You know. So, like, it's not really, usually in my experience, worth, like, ducking from whatever else you were doing to try to get those temple points.
0: Sure, but, like, you know, temples are going to keep getting played and there's eventually going to be more points than a duchy's worth of points on that pile, Yeah, it's going to get to be a lot more. And at some point, it's, it's got to be worth it, right? If there's 20 points yeah. on that pile,
1: if it's turn five, I'm probably getting 20 points for a temple. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, that's an extreme example, but I think you could make that cut off at like, you know, six or seven points when the temple is like a province worth of points. Usually when I'm making my deck better, like it's... To, in most cases so that I can get more provinces. Like that's the that's the generalized, over generalized case. So like if I'm getting a temple's a province's worth of points out of the temple pile, sure. I'll take it.
0: Yeah, so um Wandering Winder wrote this article about opportunity denial. And it's sure. not really about Dominion, but it's about the concept. I will link it in the description. Uh, it's an interesting article, and it does kind of play into the idea that, like, well, if I don't get these VP tokens, my opponent could. So it, it actually is slightly more of a decision than just do I want this card with X VP tokens on it? Because if I yeah. don't get this, my opponent could get them. Now, but it's not like it's not a comparison of there are five points on the pile. So this is a 10-point swing. It is not that simple.
1: Yeah, exactly. There is the idea that people are taking these temple points and, quote-unquote, stealing them from the opponent. So they're looking at each point they take from the temple pile as two points. Because it's a point they're getting and the opponent's not getting. That's usually not a good way to look at it. Because, I mean, that implies that the opponent's getting them for free. Kind of like yeah. that's true. If you if you know for a fact that the opponent is gaining a free temple on their turn, then okay, that evaluation <laughs> starts to make sense for some reason. Uh, but <laughs> but that doesn't happen in Dominion, right? I mean, it, if they. I don't know. If prince they princed to, a workshop, whatever. and every uh, other pile was empty. Sure. <laughs> whatever. I mean, the thing is that, yes, they could be getting those points, but then we're looking at the difference between them doing that and the next best thing they'd be doing with that Look, I, I know the game would be over before the
0: opponent got yes. a turn. Um, I know that. You don't have to... Okay, thanks.
1: Uh, yeah, right. The, so, uh,
0: the other analogy, I think, is we actually did an episode a long time ago about yeah. uh, Defiled Shrine. <laughs> Yeah, And uh, I think there are some analogs to that Uh, We we talked about roughly How many VP tokens we would Want and and it's very similar The big difference here is number one uh, Temple costs four And curse costs zero Yes, So the opportunity cost is more It's not like oh I have a spare buy this turn And the curse isn't that bad I actually could be buying a good card Instead of this temple In fact I'm thinking of a good card That I could buy instead of temple
1: necromancer silver silver silver, silver. <laughs> yeah Ooh, that was a really good we high five scared the baby okay oh, okay sorry parker <laughs> that was a really
0: good high five though it was worth it yeah it he just threw up it. on your arm
1: but yeah uh so <laughs> <laughs> <What did> you... <sighs>
0: nice
1: anyway so yeah i mean all of that said about the uh temples being uh really not that important as a vp source I will say that I have seen people buy a duchy when there are, like, three or four points on the temple pile. Don't do that. Don't do that. Get the temple. Yeah, so basically this comes back to what Adam said about, like, temples as a VP source means that you have to, like, basically look at this as another stack of VP cards that is not there all the time because people buy them and they charge up. Whatever. But no, no, I was thinking don't forget like, they're there. You play it and you get a VP token. Yeah, sure. That was
0: that was the analogy I was making. And you can double it for the low, low price of committing to getting a temple every turn.
1: Yeah, so the uh, basically the, the main takeaway is all this other stuff is important, but the main thing temple is doing is thinning your deck. And don't put the temple in your deck usually unless it's actually the card that you would want to buy. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. So the next one, Raider. Yeah. Raider is another card. This one is actually an attack. And Adam, did you want to go ahead and read the text of it for us? Yeah.
0: So Raider is a six cost. It's from the Nocturne expansion. It is a night attack duration card. Ugh. That's three types. That's and so many types. By the way,
1: none of them are actions. It does not take an action to play this.
0: Woo! Okay. So it says each other player with five or more cards in hand discards a copy of a card you have in play. Or reveals they can't. And then at the start of your next turn, plus $3. All right, that was a whole bunch of garbo. Part number one, this gives you $3 on your next turn.
1: Yeah, so it's like a delayed gold. Part number two, this does not take an action to play because it, uh, you played in your night phase. So okay. you. So the comparison to gold persists because it's a $6 card that gives you $3 that doesn't take an action. Sounding yeah. a lot like gold. Yeah, so being a night card...
0: Uh, you play this after your buy phase, which means you have like all your treasures and actions and stuff in play. Yeah. And uh, what that means is that all of these cards you have in play that Raider cared about, um, that's the, the selection your opponent gets. So if I played yeah. some coppers, then maybe I make my opponent discard a copper. But it's very unlikely that uh, they're going to have to discard something, but... You know, they're not sad to lose it, because if I played it on my turn, it must not be garbage.
1: Yeah, so I think the first thing we should get out of the way is to say that, like, all in all, this is not a very strong card. This is not a card that you look at as one of, like, the exclamation points in the kingdom, being like, Oh man, there's Raider, I gotta play around this. This is a card that is better than most people think it is, though. I well, think, like most an...
0: people think it's total trash, so that's not yeah,
1: that's much. not saying much, but this card is not useless, and that's the that's the nicest thing I can say about it, but it's a card that you will lose games if you ignore all the time because it does have some use,
0: right, so this has two <clears throat> modes: uh, the first one is the one that gives you money next turn. Um, this is not. Really, ever why I'm buying this card? Like, yeah, we compared gold it to is gold. Right there,
1: we compared it to gold, but it's actually worse than a gold because uh, it's I think missing. In it's in missing every the shuffle It's
0: worse than
1: gold. It's I missing would... shuffles, and if you're drawing your deck every turn, you're only playing it every other turn.
0: Right. So another way of saying it is, you need to buy two of these to get the effect of one gold from a purely economic standpoint. Yeah. I put this card in my deck. I draw one card, and then I get three dollars every turn. Uh, it takes two Raiders to do that,
1: Yeah, and takes one goal it takes one
0: gold. So uh, if I'm drawing my deck and I'm planning to play this thing every turn, uh, this is bad. Yeah, the and, money
1: is not why you're doing this. Yeah,
0: and if if I'm not drawing my deck, then I'd rather just have the money right away anyway. Uh, so this
1: is, this is not good. Uh, now, the reason Raider is good is because of the attack. I would say it would be a great spiker. It would be great at helping you spike price points. You know what's it... great at that? Gold. Well, this gold. this thing also costs. Well, it's this is giving you plus three dollars in addition to the five cards in your hand. But Neato. this is. But it's also costs six. Anyway, Rip. so um, ripper Rooney. If you ever need to spike like eleven for some reason, I guess. And platinum wasn't there. Yeah, whatever. Um, but this
0: isn't even good for a dominate. Just it doesn't this matter. That's...
1: This doesn't matter. Uh, so it's bad. It's not like the
0: money is not why you want this card. Because yeah, gold is better in every way. That's the point.
1: Okay, so let's talk about it as an attack.
0: It, it's an attack.
1: Yeah. It's that, a
0: discard attack.
1: Yeah, that immediately, actually right away, gives it some decent value. Yeah. Uh,
0: discard attacks are a lot more important when there's no draw or the draw is really tight.
1: Yes, and Raider in particular, as a discard attack, benefits a lot when there's really good thinning, I would say. So, like, there's this idea that you play Raider and it's basically cut purse. Like, this is almost always your opponent discards a copper. But the times when that's not true... The times when you can really stick it to them. You kind of can. When you've both thinned out all your coppers, uh, you can make them discard something better. With the caveat that if the decks are that thin, they're probably drawing everything anyway. So the discard attack is less good. But it's Rip not nothing. Room, <laughs> but it's not nothing. Like, making them discard cards in that context is still painful. It means they get to do less gain in play stuff, etc. So... Uh, sure, when the draw is tight, it starts to matter a lot more. It's a little more that they
0: have to build... It says attack on it. That matters. Yes. Right. So... Uh, The first thing I want to say is uh, you can't get them down to below four cards in hand with this. Yeah,
1: you can't spam this. Yeah,
0: so, like, I mean, it has the synergy with Council Room! Blah! I play a Council Room. They have six cards. I play two Raiders!
1: And, and yeah, that's
0: that's better than just playing a Raider. Playing a Council Room and a discard attack, I mean, there is synergy there, but I don't care.
1: Yeah, now... I will say that uh, usually that's not something that you I mean so like the money is this is a this is a fairly weak attack and it's a fairly weak economic benefit but those two things together kind of justify each other to give it a place in your deck a lot of the time like the, mostly the attack like yeah and if the I mean if the attack was there without the economic benefit at all I'd say you can't really justify getting this. If the economic benefit was there without the attack, I would say, yeah, you never get this. But given that they're there together, you will get this more often than I think initially uh, presents itself, which is still not super often, but it's also not never. Yeah, the other comparison I'd make with Raider is kind of to Relic. Uh, You think about this card, it's not terminal, it gives you some money, and it makes your opponent lose a card. So, like... The Relic is getting to do that every turn um, and giving you more money, so a lot of the time this is worse than Relic, but in general, I would say that Raider is an attack that you look at as something that isn't necessarily going to guide your strategy. You don't necessarily have to build differently or more because Raider is there, in my opinion, but whenever the attack is going to hit, when there isn't some other discard attack, I think you do put the Raider in the deck just because attacking your opponent is a really valuable thing to do. So in my mind, it gets more in the realm of attacks like Swindler, Cutpurse, Relic, Villain. These are attacks that even when uh, they are valuable to put in the deck don't really affect what kind of deck you're building.
0: All right. So uh, I think that's it for Raider. Yep. Yep. And all of the, the meaty topics we were going to do for this episode. Yeah. Okay. Uh, are you ready to move on to a kingdom?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's the second half of it, the bread of this kingdom. Uh, this kingdom was not designed. Nice. But it
0: does have Temple and Raider
1: in it. Yeah, so a lot of the time when we cover two cards, we usually like just pick one of them to uh, put into a kingdom. But in this case, we didn't really see the point, because like, it's not like Temple <laughs> and Raider really interact a whole lot. And also, the main... Reason that we kept re-rolling kingdoms to try to get this one was we were trying to find one where Raider was good. <laughs> so Maybe I, good, yeah. Yeah, and we we're we not sure we did it, but uh, <laughs> but we did find one where there was at least a question. So just uh, to reiterate back to what we said before, Raider is not a super strong card usually. Yeah. Uh, so we could get into what's in this kingdom. Sure. Um, Go ahead and read it. Yeah, we have Courtyard, Experiment, Fortune Teller, Duplicate, Marauder, Necromancer, Temple, Festival, Hireling, Raider, and we have the Project Fair. Once more for our audio-only listeners, we have Courtyard, Experiment, Fortune Teller, Duplicate, Marauder, Necromancer, Temple, Festival, Hireling, Raider, and we have the Project Fair. All
0: right, so I'm looking at this board, and I
1: see Temple
0: is pretty much the only trashing. I and mean, yeah. Zombie Mason, but Temple is the only trashing.
1: Yeah, I mean, Zombie Mason can do it, but... And actually, it's got Courtyard for support! <laughs> Woo! Yeah, no, so Temple's the only trashing. Yeah. And uh, so Temple's the best trashing, rather. And it's it's pretty good, and it's actually particularly good at dealing with ruins. So I think you're probably skipping Marauder. So Marauder
0: is definitely less good. I see. Here's, here's the other thing: um, the draw is very tight here. You have to get well, hirelings or maybe experiments. No, I, there's
1: Courtyard with Festival, which is that's not fun. draw. That's card neutral, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah, not Okay, draw. that's true. Reparoo. Yeah. yeah, that's true. So um, the draw Forgotten is tight. Festival doesn't draw
0: card which uh which means the junking has a little bit more of an impact. So even though you can deal with it, I think it may still be worth it to go for Marauder.
1: Sure, I think that that's something that you won't go in with the plan of doing. I think that you'll only do that if you get control of your deck way before your opponent does. Uh, I think that that's only something you react to your opponent's being weak to. Uh, potentially uh, so I don't think it's a strong tactic really because the marauder's not doing a lot for like uh,
0: it gives me spoils it helps me hit six get Ew. me early higher I want to open with the temple but I could see getting a marauder on turn three or turn four if I have four bucks
1: Sure I don't like it but I have been wrong about these things before so we'll definitely play it out and see if it's good I want to go out and say I think, that I I don't think you'll get the marauder I think it's close but I think I want it okay. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I think, so we're, we're both opening with a temple. The other opener, what is that? I kind of want to, s- I mean, part of me wants to say it's either Experiment or Courtyard to get to my temple faster and set up Temple Hands. Uh, but it could also be a Silver because I want to hit 5 and 6 early and often. So I don't think I want Courtyard because I think <laughs> Experiment just does it better. Uh, I don't like that I have to keep rebuying the experiments to be... Like, the courtyard is... I don't
0: like it, but, like...
1: I mean, you have to do it, sure. I I think that you win courtyards in the deck.
0: If I draw my courtyard on turn four, I'm really sad. Pretty much no matter what. Yeah. So, I I really don't think I want to open with the courtyard. Okay. I'm between experiment and silver. And I think I want the experiment. I don't think that the experiment is helping you hit 5 right away on turn 3 or turn 4 I, I also am not super concerned with hitting 5 on turn 3 or turn 4 because what am I getting a festival? I don't really need a million of those yet. Yeah, I well, want to hit 6 I'm talking about
1: specifically 6 yeah.
0: and I think the experiment is a little better at that because uh, let's say uh, I I mean let's say I don't have to play the experiments in order to just find my temple Yeah, uh, I can just hold on to them and not play them because if I play my temple I'm not really going to be doing <laughs> much anyway Sure. So I can keep the experiments around until maybe I can buy like another set of experiments,
1: sure. and then at
0: that point I'm pretty decent chances at spiking six, and you know I might put a silver in the deck at that point or something else.
1: Okay, so like your your idea is that you put these experiments in the deck with the idea of not playing them when you draw them, and mm. or or only playing them if you haven't seen your temple yet to get to the temple faster. Right. Um, so that's reasonable. That's I mean there's something to that. I am silver gonna, might be better than this i'm gonna I, my my i'm gonna go ahead and advocate that you open Temple silver and then get the experiment on turn three, possibly you get a second silver on turn three or four uh and then get the experiments after that, certainly. Uh, but these are similar builds we're talking about, I want to say. I, I think right. you're, you're getting a silver in your build, too, eventually, right? Like... Yeah, and by silver, I might mean festival if I can swing it, but yeah, there's probably a silver coming in my life. Uh, sure, game. I'm going to take festival over silver, certainly. Uh, if I have five, exactly. Now, uh, I'm curious, what do you do with your first six? Hirelink. So, is it hireling? So, yes. like, it could also be raider. No definitely hireling. I lean away from getting raider, period, here. Um, uh, the draw is tight enough. I really is... want
0: to say that raider has to have a place in the deck, the although a- the <laughs> att- don't know when you get it.
1: So the thing is, the attack does hurt, like what you're saying, but that could also be a hireling. So, like, are you slowing your opponent down more than you are... Uh, would, would the hireling speed you up More than the raider would slow your opponent down Is my question And I don't know I It might
0: I mean it's about the same right The hireling is a card and the raider is a card
1: The raider is guaranteeing that you get a hireling Next turn <laughs> um, Okay, that's, that's Except not, when it doesn't Well no you're gonna hit 6 on your raider's turn Like that's almost impossible not to Challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, find out. Maybe if you've been getting attacked by Marauder, but... Or if you play your temple. Oh, sure, whatever. Uh, oh, I said a
0: whole bunch of stuff, and then I was like, I never found time for the Marauder. The Marauder with the spoils is pretty decent for hitting Hireling, too. Mm, sure.
1: Man, sure. maybe I
0: don't want the experiment. I'm super waffling on this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be something that's going to end up being close, if I, if I have to... Uh, make take a guess. I am advocating for the silver, but I'm I'm waffling as well. The experiments might be just fine. So uh, I, I'm curious what you think about the rest of the kingdom here, though. Like, I don't think Necromancer is good here, um, but I and and I don't think I'm getting Fortune Teller either. I am curious about Duplicate. Uh, so, are you getting a Duplicate? I should uh, probably get one of those, huh? I'm thinking that you probably get it over silver if you uh, get it early enough, if you oh, can a, early enough. There's
0: a lot of cards around the 3 and 4 price point that like you kind of you want all of them because they all seem important, but like you don't
1: want them. And oh, well, man, here's, seems... a, here's the other really big question here. Are you going for double province here or are you going to just get single provinces and then get off the ground faster than a double province uh, deck can, can do what it wants to do? Like, you could. I can see an argument for either, because you can certainly build to double province, possibly even triple, but you could also just start provincing faster, and if you can do that consistently, get five of them before a, a multi province deck can get off the ground. So, I'm not really sure, actually, how many provinces a turn you are going for here.
0: I think right now there's not enough information. I need to know how the draws are going, I need to see what my opponent's doing, I need to see if their deck is vulnerable to attacks or. If I have the time to build more, how easy it's going to be from where my current position is to get one province versus building up to get a, a second one in a turn, which seems yeah. like a lot.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you can build to double province here, but there's no really efficient way to do it other than building up with a bunch of hirelings, mm-hmm. and the econ is... More treasures? The, the econ is all stop cards, so... Mm. Yeah, and the the draw is there, but it's not good. It's I mean it's hireling. I think yeah, Highland's hirelings an experiments and experiments and yeah, and then uh, like you said, the courtyard isn't uh, so. Yeah, I mean all in all, this kingdom seems interesting enough. Uh, I'm curious the the big question mark I think for both of us is are you getting a raider? And uh, if you do get the raider, how good is it? Is it doing a lot for you? Uh, if you do get the raider. And it doesn't seem like it's going
0: to be fantastic, but it might be better than the alternatives.
1: Yeah, I'm talking... I mean, the attack seems like it'll hurt. Like, so I think we'll I'll definitely take inventory every time I play a raider attack uh, or get hit by one. Like, what did it do to the opponent? Like, what did it cost them? Yeah. Did, what did it? Uh, how did it make their turn worse? And we'll we'll come back to you with that info. Yeah. Next time on Making Luck. It's a I'm kind of getting distracted by the baby video. <laughs> You're what? I'm kind of getting distracted by the baby video. <laughs> oh, is this going to be an issue? <laughs> the
0: the baby's here. Uh, he might be here for a lot of episodes of the podcast, and so we have a video to distract the baby. Yeah, <laughs> it turns out the video is good at doing what it does. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's distracting
0: me too. So um,
1: nice. I kind of see why he's into it. Yeah, there's like colors and. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it could be about this. Yeah.